Um, we both learned to drive in a field when we were like 10 years old. Hello, I'm Sean McDonald and you're listening to Blethered. My guest is TV presenter Danny Mingus. Danny talks to me about her life growing up in Scotland before ending up in London for work. She tells me about the horror incident after being hit by a stolen moped in London. And we talk TV, big breaks, a place in the sun and aspirations for the future. And as always, there's plenty more. If you enjoy this episode, feel free to share it. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tforgetaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Forget About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Forget About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland, helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. There's probably loads of things, but there's one thing that's in my mind. What do you and rally driver Rosemary Smith have in common <laughs> from your childhood? Um, we both learned to drive in a field when we were like 10 years old. Sounds pretty nuts, but is that normal from like where you come from? Yeah, when you grow up on a farm, it's just... I think, so when my dad was young, he used to drive all his brothers and sisters to Sunday school from the age of nine. Mm. So I was the firstborn child of his. And I think he was like, probably a bit gutted I wasn't a boy. <laughs> but then he was like, oh, we'll just do it anyway. So he'd get me out in the car from the age of about nine, giving me driving lessons. And then when I was about 10 years old, my grandpa gave me his old Fiat Panda. But my grandpa had had polio, so he had like, you know, a weaker leg. So he'd arrow-dited tins of beans to the accelerator and taken the doors off because it was too much hassle. So my <laughs> first car had no doors and tins of beans arrow-dited to the accelerator. Yeah, I'm expressing my shock and my surprise, but that's where I learned to drive as well. Yeah. My grandpa stayed on like private land, so he had like a wee cottage on a farm. Nice. And it was just a single-track road, and I would drive down, three-point turn, drive back up, and the same up and down. But then he went, I remember once he went to his bed and I went out for a drive and he went fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, oh, you have to do it like when I'm there. No, that was encouraged in my family. When, so I'd, I'd drive on the golf course in the fields. And then when I got to about 15, I remember going around after school one night and being like, Dad, it was dark. It was the winter. I was like, Dad, can you give me a lift? along to the field to see the horses and he was like ah just take the pick up yourself <laughs> so I was 15 he hadn't shown me how to turn the lights on I, I was pan I remember that stress of like driving along the road panicking and if a car came the other way and it did and of course I turned the lights mm. off and it was yeah your your dad seems really like cavalier and is just approached to even down to your relationship, I watched his, that thing you did driving about <laughs> London, yeah. and uh, some of the chat, I was like, "Wow, there's there's no filter, there's no barrier between these two people." But it's, it seems to be a clear indicator of a real closeness. Yeah, I think all of our family, we're we're not a shy family. Mm. You know, we we sort of everybody just kind of says how it is and is quite open minded. So you know, talking about 
you know, learning to drive young, talking about sex, talking about drugs, all those kind of things are just, we just talk about it. Do you think that's then filtered through into your approach to life? You, you strike me as somebody, or I've got loads of thoughts actually about you as a person, which I'm sure I will share <laughs> over the time. All of them positive, don't worry. Um, but do you think that has just then filtered through into your approach to life in terms of flinging yourself into the unknown, going up or, or saying yes to stuff, kind of as we were talking about? Yeah, I mean, my, yeah, I guess so. It's it's made me, do you know what? For a long period of time, I was scared to be myself and I spent many years filtering myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and trying to be the person that I thought everybody thought I should be. And it's only really in the last few years that I feel like I'm really myself and I just say it how, I, how, I, how it is to me and how I feel. Um, so it did have an effect, but it kind of took me a while to get there. Yeah. I reckon. Where... Kenmuir, where is that? Kenmuir. Is that where you're from? Kenmore. Kenmore. Yeah, Loch Tay. Ah, um, yeah. So it's about, it's an hour and a half from Edinburgh and Glasgow, sort of equidistance mm. and up a bit. Um, it's really, really beautiful, but it's quite quiet. Mm. And what, what point was it you, did you go to Edinburgh first? Is that where you kind of headed off to? Yeah, it was a bit of... Um, so I went to Loughborough University and studied textile design, dropped out of that after I had an accident and a few things happened. Um, and then I started a riding school back up in Kenmore and did that for a while. Was that when you saved horses from going to a meat factory in Hungary? Yeah, so I... Nothing I, ever seems to just be like <laughs> straightforward or like simple. There's always like some mental story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it was pretty mental, to be honest. I, I bought this horse from a dodgy dealer in Ayrshire. And I remember thinking, God, these horses are in such bad nick. And I'd put pictures online of one of them. And this woman contacted me going, oh my God, is that Nina? And I was like, yeah. And she was like... <laughs> you, you had it to the stables like, here, mate, are you Nina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nina, that you, babe? Um, I was like, yeah. And she said, oh, my God, I, I took her off the back of a meat truck. I paid God. for her by the kilo. Um, and I was sending her to a better life in the UK. And I was like, shit, I hate to break it to you, love, but you've sent, her, sent all these horses to the dodgiest dealer you can imagine. God. And they were emaciated. And he actually ended up on Crime Watch, this Daddy? guy. Bloody yeah. hell. And he, he put the business, the horse business, into his parent-in-law's names mm -hmm. and did a runner when they when he got done, basically. Bloody hell. So anyway, I ended up buying these horses from, or getting these horses from this dodgy dealer. They'd all come from meat factories in Hungary, rehabilitated them, trained them, found them forever homes, kept Nina her whole life myself. Um, but yeah, it was... It was at a time in my life where I'd been really struggling myself mm. mentally. Yeah. Um, and actually working with the horses every day was like, I saved them and they saved me, as, mm. cheesy, as cheesy as it sounds. Very therapeutic, I'd imagine. Animals are, yeah. Yeah. What? Where does the, the love of animals come from? You wanted to be a vet when you were a wee girl, did you not? Yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to be many things. <laughs> An architect as well, I'm yes. sure I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I chopped and changed quite a lot. Of, I pop star as well at one point, and then I learned I couldn't sing. I, I was the same when I was a wee guy. <laughs> <laughs> a very camp choice for like a six-year-old. I don't know where I got that from, because I'm a fucking terrible singer. Yeah, me too. Literally the worst. I, I remember when I first moved to London, I'd host live music nights. 
and the producers at the time I had short spiky hair the producers would walk in see a tall blonde with short spiky hair come straight over to me and be like please tell me you can sing I'd be like no mate sorry <laughs> that's not <laughs> no, what I'm here for I wish for. I could um but yeah that the love for animals started from a very very young age I mean I used to think I was rescuing tadpoles and then we mum and I rescued well we we caught a wild rabbit um on a walk one day with a washing basket um and she would escape and have like get pregnant come back have eight babies and then escape again and get pregnant again so at one point I had a rabbit run in my garden with this tiny hatch that I'd squeeze through and I'd just sit in there covered in baby rabbits thinking Sounds that like I was dream. yeah yeah I was always mad <coughs> for them that's just reminded me of a story my grandpa tells it's like his favorite story so I spent a lot of time with him and I still do but a lot a lot of time with him as a wee boy and we used to go up like the Campsie Hills and um, I would always say stuff like, you know, we could come up and live here and we could just pitch up a tent, we could live off the land and stuff. And then he was like, so what would we eat? And I think I said, you know, we could make friends with the rabbits. Like, oh, they, like that's, that's what we can kind of get up to. That can be our life. And then further on, he's asked me, like, what are we going to eat? And I said, well, we'll just set traps and stuff and, like, maybe catch rabbits and eat them. And he's like, thought you said we were going to be pals with the rabbits. <laughs> and I said, well, we'll just eat the ones that we haven't met yet. <laughs> Oh, um, see, I became a veggie when I was about six you? because we had uh, my parents' business originally was a farm, and so we had loads of cattle. And in the winter, when they'd go into the shed, I'd sit on the hay bales and look over the the edge at them and give them all names and talk to them mm -hmm. like I I loved them. And then I remember coming round one day and they were all gone, and I was like, "What?" When it when it got explained <laughs> to me what had happened, I was like, "I ain't eating my friends." So I, I literally <laughs> haven't had meat since I was six years old. Really, or that's fish. mental yeah. how that that would have such a lasting impact. But I suppose it makes sense. Um, at which point did you end up? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're out with the horses. You're doing a lot of exercise. You start to physically change a bit. Was that when you then get picked up to do some modelling? Yeah, basically. So I, I had about 20 horses that I was looking after on my own. So I was going out. I, I literally was going out early in the morning, taking care of the horses before I took care of myself. Um, coming home, falling. I was physical. It is physical. Physical hard work. Um, so the weight dropped off me. I was coming home. I was falling asleep on the sofa, getting up in the same clothes and going again. So like, I remember one day just kind of going, Oh, <laughs> and like there was this big gap in my trousers and I just I hadn't even noticed. Um, but yeah, I was I was out with the horses and this guy had come to take his daughter out for a ride and sort of said, do you want to do a photo shoot? I didn't really want to do it, but my best friend wanted to be a stylist mm. and she was like, you're doing it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I did some shots and then got picked up by an agency in Edinburgh. And then that's at this point that you moved through to Edinburgh? Um, so at that point in time, I was suffering really bad with anxiety and panic attacks and just like my headspace was terrible. So it wasn't really as straightforward as that. I was going to castings, but I was taking diazepam in the car. Like mm. I was, I was not in a good way, but my mum was sort of saying, just pretend you're someone else, pretend you're someone else. So I'd go in, get it done, come out and like pass out in the car. So I started started that way and then eventually was like, right, I've got to try and give this a go properly. But it was it was a really, really hard thing to push through. Like I was scared to go outside and I was having to fight myself to, to do things. Um, and when I decided I wanted to move to London, I was still really struggling with this anxiety and these panic attacks and depression. And I just, I couldn't see a way of doing it 
until my agency mentioned mentioned this agency in Mexico. And I was like, right, if I can go and survive three months in Mexico, work in there, London will be a piece of piss. <laughs> and I Too lasted <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I lasted about three weeks in Mexico. It was so corrupt agency that we were working oh, wow. with. We were followed, chased, the things that happened, like people didn't believe me when I told them the stories. Um, we came home one day and the girl who I was in model accommodation with had this like really good camera sitting on her bed and the bathroom window was open. The big bolts that they had on our bedroom doors had been removed, but the camera was still there. So we were like, they're not coming for our stuff. It's us they're yeah. coming for. So she got her stuff and got out straight away. Aye, and my bitch just patched you and yeah. because her mum told her to go and stay with somebody. Yeah. That was harsh. Yeah, left me to it. So I pushed the sofa up against the front door and sat with my suitcase and a pair of scissors in my hand until it got light and went straight to the airport. But yeah, that. I, but do you know what? It worked. Yeah. Like two days, two days after I got back, I packed my bags and off, off I went to London. Makes me think of that phrase, like there is no growth or improvement. Uh, sorry, like... Comfort and growth. No, don't they can't coexist at the same time. It's no. either it's one or the other. Yeah, and I think if you've struggled with your mental health, like you, it, you're fighting your own battle. You're fighting yourself. Like, mm. it, and the only way of getting through it, you can take the drug. You might need to take the pills. You might yeah. need to take the rest. You might need to take the time out. Mm -hmm. There's work you can do in therapy, talking therapy, all of that jazz. But at the end of the day, the battle's in your head. And you, mm -hmm. and the, for me, the best way of getting through those things is to do exactly whatever it is that's freaking me out. I've been to Mexico City. Can confirm it is wild. It's fucking mad. Mm. Whereabouts were you staying? Do you remember? I was in a palanco next to a park at Chipotle. You think it was mad. Try being five foot ten and blonde. No, I know. I know. <laughs> like, I people walk past you and just grab you or touch you. I You're kind like, of blend what? in. They're like, this guy's probably Mexican. <laughs> I went to the train station. There was like 3,000 people and I could see over every single head. <laughs> <laughs> Pure standout. Um, Did you like it apart from the madness? Did you get up to anything? Honestly, it was, it was really hard. Like, it was stressful. Like, we... We'd go to, we'd do catwalk shows and there would be w older women going, my friend's this really famous photographer, come downstairs and have a chat with them in the car. Like people were permanently trying to just take us. Like oh, it was mad. That's scary. It was, that was my whole experience. Somebody get Liam Neeson on the phone or we're fucked. <laughs> um, you were mentioning those kind of things there about things going on in your own head. What kind of sounds to me like agoraphobia, yeah. panic attacks and stuff. And it can become cliched I think the conversation at times but I think from the, the way I've heard you speaking about it has always been here's what happened this was really tough but here's here's how you know I kind of got through it not just a wee poor me isn't it a shame for yeah isn't it a shame for me and I heard you talking about neuro-linguistic uh, programming yeah that really 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 piqued my interest because I didn't really understand what it was two sessions changed your life you said yeah I, I mean different things work for different people I did CBT I did lots of different kinds of therapies I'm actually like since the accident I had last year I've been doing therapy again it's mm. amazing um but without that accident probably wouldn't have gone back to it but yeah I tried lots of different things I wasn't really getting anywhere and I was I was super depressed I'd gone from living a very full life to feeling like I, I was struggling to get out my front door so that is a very depressing thing and I spent a lot of time going, I just want someone to fix me. I just want someone to fix me. Mm. And nothing seemed to be working. Um, and then it kind of got to the point where I was like, 
this changes or I'm done. Like I'm dead, life's over. Yeah. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and I went and did two sessions with this guy and my mum happened to find like an advert in the back of a local magazine or something. He happened to have written books about it and he <laughs> happened to live in Perthshire. Um, and we went to his house and it was, it's a really like clever thing. And I, I to be honest, I don't really understand it fully myself yeah. yet, but, but essentially they get you into a really relaxed, almost hypnotic kind of state. And if you imagine like your, your life as a ruler, the timeline as a ruler, and you know, any little flag of emotion sticking out of that ruler, yeah. you go down into it and you take the feeling out of it. So like anything traumatic, he, he's helped people who are scared of dogs or flying or, you know, so because you'll go into the thing that's made you scared mm. and take the emotion out of it. How does he do that though? I don't know. Like, does he just tell you stuff or does he yeah, get you to speak? It's, I think it's a bit of both, but because you're almost in this kind of like trance, it's yeah. not, it's talking to your subconscious. So, so you also might say things that you didn't necessarily remember or think were true. Mm -hmm. And he goes right back to like when you're in the womb. Wow. Like it's mad because you absorb things from your parents. I'd love to go and see this guy. Bryce Radford. I've tried to look him up a few times. Couldn't find him. I don't yeah. know if something's I'm happened. Gonna, if anybody wants to get I'm not asking for freebies. I'll pay for it. But if anybody does the NLP, get in touch with me because I would love to hear about it. Whether I in actually, Glasgow or London. Yeah, I actually think that everybody should do it because we're mm -hmm. all... Uh, Every decision you and I make today is yeah. not based on who you are right now. It's based on all your other little things sitting on your shoulders, all your yeah. experiences, all the shit things. So it just, it's like literally taking all of that away and it's just mm -hmm. you're you again. And your subconscious is obviously where everything happens. Yeah. Um, you think, what is it, something, I mean, I'm just going to make up the start, but say it's like 5% of what's going on in your mind is conscious, the other 95% is is going through your subconscious, isn't it? which yeah. then impacts how you feel, the decisions and make the things that you do. Um, and a, a good example of that, actually, and something that you kind of apply in a positive way is your um, 60 minutes of morning rituals. It's kind of oh, yeah. in the subconscious. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna start giving that a go. <laughs> oh, do you know what? There's a book called The Miracle Morning. So I. So over the years, being the, the um, the nutter that I was, I got really obsessed with self help books, and that's another. You know, it wasn't just that NLP. I kind of I got obsessed with mm. getting better and learning my own mind. It was, I take it was the secret your gateway was that the yeah. first one it's the same for everybody isn't it secret well mood boards I made one in January oh my god it, oh. they fucking work yeah I've heard you talk about this so, so like a sort of vision board where all the things yeah. that you would like to happen in your life I tell you what if you haven't made a vision board in your life get on it and make one I'm going to make they one they are so good so the secret started it off and the big thing I learned from The Secret was, you know, it gave me an introduction into visualizing things and creating this vision board. Then the miracle morning is amazing because it kind of really breaks down simply how you should spend the first 60 minutes of your day. Now, can you give me the, the six blocks so people can yeah. get an idea? So you do 10 minutes meditating, 10 minutes moving, yoga or whatever. Yeah. Um, 10 minutes writing down affirmations. So like you know, a, something that comes up for most people is like they they don't feel good enough, so I am good enough. Mm -hmm. Or my, my one at the moment is today is a beautiful day for opportunity. I'm exactly where I need to be and I'm 
open to everything that comes my way, something like that. I always say what's the best that could happen. What's I like yeah, that. Like so everybody that. always says what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. You no. spiral, what's so you go, the What's the worst that could happen? Oh, this could happen, then that could happen. I always go, What's the best? And I'm like, somebody could come out and give me fifty quid. <laughs> <laughs> but you just start thinking of all oh well, then this positive know. thing could happen, you spiral in a positive yeah. way. Well you, I think there's a real thing about energy and whatever you're feeling you attract. Yeah. Um so yeah, so affirmations um, oh God, I can't remember. Do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to help yeah. you? Reading. <laughs> reading, yeah, 10 yeah. minutes of reading. If you read 10 minutes every morning, that's 12 books a year. Depends how fast you read. Well, that's very true also. I'm quite slow. Uh, me too. And writing. And writing, yeah. So I've started, I do this, I don't do them all every morning at the moment, but if I'm mm -hmm. ever not feeling as good, I will automatically go back, go back to into it. doing that. But there's certain ones that I do do every day. It's so true though, isn't it? Depen how you start your day. Because normally I'm like, right, I'm sleeping to the last minute because the chances are I've been up late working or, or, or doing whatever. And um, when I do start the day kind of well, and I'm like, I'm going to have something to eat. I'm going to have my water. I'm going to mm -hmm. sit and write something. And I go out in this zen state. But there's other days when I go out harassed. I go on the tube and I'm like, fucking move. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's me. Because it's the same situation every day. There's always somebody slow walking in the stairs. But it's how I start the day that kind of will dictate how I then react to everything. I think as well, if, you've, um, if you're someone who's <coughs> like, you know, struggling in any sort of way, there's like when, when I wasn't working after my accident, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, when I'm frustrated the whole time because I want to be doing stuff. Yeah. But if you get up that and do those things for that hour in the morning, you've already got that sense of achievement, which makes you more positive, which makes you attract yeah. more good things. So, as we should probably pick up on the accident. This happened just after we met, I think. Yeah, it did. I was really, really shocked. Can you t tell, oh my the, God, tell was, us what happened? It's got goosebumps. Yeah, it was fucking horrible. Sorry for making um, you relive it. <laughs> no, it's all good. I um, it was a really weird one. Like it was a proper sliding doors moment. That the uh, like s mad, 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 mad. So I was in a shop and I was on the pavement when it happened. I literally stepped out of the shop door onto the pavement and something just took me out by the legs and I face planted the pavement. And I woke up and I thought I'd lost my right eye. So oh I was just going, God. my eye, my eye, my eye, because it hit that bit of my face and there was so much impact around my eyebrow and so much blood in my eye that I couldn't see out of it. So I really thought I'd lost my eye, which was quite scary. And I just went in shock. I was just shouting, fuck, I think, walking around. Everyone's going, sit down, but I was just going, get up. Like, it was just mad. Then I sat down and I started to pass out. And so they were like, sh like head injury. So the police were going, we're waiting for the ambulance. And then when I started passing out, they were like, no, we need to get her in the back of the car. And they blue lighted me to the oh hospital my God. to get brain scans. Um, I had like 25 stitches above my eyebrow, fractured my nose, my lip was hanging off. And luckily my brain was intact. That is horrendous. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was really scary. And the weirdest thing was, I've never had concussion before. I've never played rugby or anything like that. I was concussed for over two weeks, two, or at least two weeks. What does concussed actually mean? It is bonkers. So I couldn't have told you that before, I can now. It means that, like, so, well, there's a few different things. I would get up and be like, I'm fine. And then I'd sit down and it would be like, you're on a boat, which is about to topple oh over. God. And you're like, whoa, what is going on? And the whole room's like this. Yeah. It was mad. And then you, I was getting super emotional. Um, and yeah, it, basically the room would spin a lot. I, really, really, really dizzy. Felt quite sick quite a lot. 
And what, um, what was the story? This was two women that were attempting to steal a moped. Yeah, so a guy had just parked up his moped, had run into the shop, left his keys in it. Silly bastard. I, I don't remember any of that part. Um, I didn't see anyone. But yeah, apparently two girls tried to tried to get on it, steal it, lost control of it, flew off down the pavement on its side mm. um, and hit me and four other people. But they were fine because I took the main whack. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of one of those ones. And I don't want to go... Do you ever think that was actually a really good thing and a positive thing? I don't mean that, but... No, do you know what? It actually was. Yeah. In the sense of, it was super... I was a mess. I was a mess for the best part of four or five months. So after a month or so, my face started to look a bit better. I was depressed. I went into a hole. I couldn't stop crying. I, it really tr- it knocked something inside me. Yeah, and yeah. I, was, I was not good. And it got to the point where I was like, shit, I need to speak to someone. So in January, I started, it happened in October. In January, I started doing therapy twice a week. My therapist was fucking amazing. She would, some days, like I was sitting crying on my sofa one day and she just messaged me going, are you okay? I was like, how the fuck did you know? But she was great. She'd really check in on me. She was brilliant. And I actually spoke to her yesterday and she was like almost crying. She was like, you're so good right now. And I was (laughs) like, I know. And it feels really good to be good again. Like you appreciate it. But I did a lot of work that I would have never done on myself mm. had that not happened. I didn't realize that I had so many problems. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it just take, and All it takes is for somebody to smash into you with a moped. <laughs> it's amazing, right? But like I struggled with relationships over the years and... I struggled going into certain work situations because I just didn't feel like I was good enough to be there. Mm. So like I, yeah, I mean, when I started to play some sun, I made myself sick with anxiety. And I, for the first two weeks after I filmed, I sat by my, looking at my phone thinking, they're just going to call me and realize I'm shit and fire me Mm. because I just didn't think I was good. And doing all this work has made me feel better than I've ever felt in my life before. For the first time ever, I feel like I'm good enough. I did UK's Strongest Man and took um, Cammy's, Chris Kamara's place of hosting it um, about a month ago. And I spoke to my therapist before and I had the best time. And it's the first time I've walked in something brand new, not really knowing what I was doing and going, yeah, I'm good enough to be here and Mm. and just enjoying it. See this feeling as if you weren't good enough to be there. Do you think that's because you took a slightly, and we'll we'll come into that, but you took an unconventional route into doing the jobs that you were doing? It wasn't the sort of just the the formulaic, we'll do this and then get experience and then kind of do that. It was slightly different. I actually think it's much deeper than that. It comes from not being noticed as a child and certain for certain things. Like I've done the work, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly why I am the way I am now. But no, I d- I didn't take a conventional route, and I wish I'd known that I wanted to be a presenter sooner because I think I'd be a lot further along in mm. my career now. I started late. I was didn't start presenting till I was twenty eight. Was so, it that that, that far um, back? Well, I think I got I got a place in the sun when I was twenty eight, and I'd done maybe three or four years of like you know. Mm. free jobs trying to get a bit of experience yeah I've heard, I've heard you speaking about that I wanted to find out more about that was it just for for like fun or were you thinking that I can build up a wee bit of a showreel here like what was the thought yeah. process and what were the jobs so I did um I did random stuff like um for H&M online or Disney or I did Teen the Park one year with BBC nice um as like the roving reporter my the biggest flop of my life <laughs> so it was probably my big first big opportunity and I was like this is going to be it and um they didn't 
they hadn't seen me on camera, so they didn't know that I'm a very enthusiastic person, mm -hmm. just at my normal operating level. <laughs> and when I got there, they were like, just like, be you, but like a really enthusiastic version of you. So I was bouncing off the effing walls, going, hi, I'm Johnny, nice to meet you. And it was awful. But had someone just said, just be yourself and enjoy yourself, I probably would have smashed it, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, you live in Larnay. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so is that then, how, when did the opportunity for a place in the sun come along? Was I'd been trying to be a presenter for a few years in my spare time, just, yeah, doing doing random gigs, um, trying to build that show reel. And then, to be honest, I got to the point where I was thinking, I've ran up a bit of debt now. Hmm. London's fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. It's I feel time you. to get out of here. I feel you. Like, I'm going to give myself till I'm 28, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going back home to work with the horses. Um, and I, I think, like, just literally just before I was 28, a place in the sun came along and I had another job for Red Bull. Um, and I was like, all right, okay. Mm. It's happening. It's, it's all right. al it always tends to be, it's such a cliche in it, but it's when you feel as if this isn't going to happen, that's when the breakthrough comes. It's almost as if the universe is kind of testing you a wee bit. Like, yeah. do, you really, do you really want it? You say you want it. Will you hold on for that final wee, yeah. final furlong? <laughs> yeah. I think the big difference between myself and a lot of people who I knew when I was modelling that wanted to do presenting was that I didn't give up. And mm. that's it. You just got to keep grafting and keep going. You know, I'm going through a big change at the moment, but things are starting to happen, mm -hmm. and that that you just got to keep going, keep being you, and be positive. What's it like working on a place in the sun? You know, I always say a job along those lines would be the kind of dream for me. Purely getting to use languages, because mm. I could go and speak to your joiner directly. Don't either. You don't need to have an English speaking joiner. Right. Okay. So do you speak Spanish? Spanish and Catalan and French and Italian. Oh. Yeah. I mean, off. not to show off. I mean, Spanish, I couldn't, in French and Italian, I, I would struggle, like, professionally, but Spanish-wise, piece of piss. I think, um, well, for you, the thing is, A Place in the Sun, you've got a, an a assistant producer that speaks language of wherever you are, and they do all that Get stuff. Get rid of him. Don't need him. So, yeah, you'd... Um, you take the day off, mate. I'll take over for you. Well, the thing is, when you're a presenter, you don't do a lot of that, that work. You literally, you know, yeah. you you, you, sh you rock up, you get your script, you go have a look at the houses, and then you go for it. The actual setting it up is all done by the producer mm. and the director. That, how enjoyable um, is it? Because you've said it's very, very long days. It's, um, do you know what? I've seen some amazing places, and... <laughs> That's a diplomatic answer. <laughs> I have. I've, it's, I, I think the thing for me was I d started a place in Sun. I thought I'll do this for three or four years. I did it for six years. It was it was hard for me on the last few during COVID um, because I did a long stint on location. Things were closed. Oh, God, um, yeah. You, you know, you, you miss... I, I think I found... Sorry, if anybody's wondering what this is, I'm just pouring water. <laughs> this is how real this is. It's unfiltered. <laughs> I think I found the amount of travel towards the end like a, a little bit tough, and I think COVID doing 14 weeks on the road back to back that, in those times that that kind of that is that unimaginably difficult. difficult. Yeah, it's it's. I think a lot of people go. You know, you're on the beach every day, you're chilling out, and it's just it's not, not like quite. that. You have breakfast and lunch with your house hunters every mm -hmm. day. You you have it's it's busy. You're not on the beach, you're with a couple for like Bristol who are actually taking the piss and they don't really have any intention of buying in it and they're just there <laughs> for the holiday. 
Well, casting got pretty good, actually. It was like an 80% success rate of oh, sales really? towards the end there. But I've just, um, yeah, it's I've been doing a new series for them that's like two days filming. And that's really suited me a lot better <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, cool, fly out on a Sunday night, back on a Tuesday, that's my work. Yeah, done. that's ideal. So, yeah. It's difficult. You don't have a, a life in either place. Do you? Cause well, that's what I struggled with. Like, I'm mm. 35. I really wanted to meet somebody. I was packing my bags every other week. Yeah. Like it's, and then when you're out there, people are like, "Oh yeah, but well, no, you're not gonna. I'm probably not gonna meet my man in Benidorm or wherever I am. You know, like, and also out. there are long days, so you don't really have time for that stuff. By the time you finish, you want to try and get to the gym and get to mm. bed. So yeah, it's it's um a lot of the a lot of the girls or a few of the girls who have done the show, Amanda Lamb, Jasmine. They married cameramen. That's how they managed to stick <laughs> at it so long. <laughs> well, that comes with its own pitfalls as well, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. Handy an as well, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you feel like you kind of get to that point? Say, let's say you're in the papers frequently, you're on TV all the time, people are recognising you're getting all the trappings of the success that you kind of perceive as getting to the top, and then you kind of go oh wait, shit, no, it's not completely all it's entirely cracked up to be, and I don't think that's being ungrateful either. Um, the thing is, I don't think it's the top. Right. <laughs> I think what it's just it? the start. You think it's just the start? Yeah. I know, I, that sounds terrible, the way I've kind of thing made that, but I just mean, like, that's it, you know, I've arrived. This is kind of what, this is... I think I never really felt like that. That's the thing, like, I... I think the nice thing about Place in the Sun is the the people who watch it, it's you're kind of like you can still love your life. You, you don't feel like you're fam famous, famous. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? You're like you're not really famous. Just somebody, just, somebody recognise you and being cute. Just take the odd pick, yeah. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Because uh, it's it is more than that. There is, it's I, I think you're being magnanimous or you're being um, <laughs> humble, but there's obviously there is quite a lot of focus on you, even in terms of press coverage. I would yeah, find the that Scottish son difficult. love me. Yeah, it's all it's always like Danny sizzles and barely there <laughs> between. And you're like, who the fuck's writing this? Like, did you honestly go to uni? To, this is what you want to be <laughs> writing a, about. There's a guy on uh, TikTok that made a video about this, and he's like, does someone at the Scottish Sun just sit and write about Danny being <laughs> in a bikini all day? It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, I, d I don't really Good mind. Work I mean, it's no skin off it. my nose. They take it all off from my Instagram. <laughs> Who needs a publicist? I know. <laughs> um, in terms of other work, you're obviously such a big car fan. Yeah. What was it? See the the race through Scotland, and did you win that? Oh, the race! No, it wasn't a race through Scotland. What was so it? So I've done a few different things. My dad and I did a rally across Europe, and that was just a bit of fun. That's another dream um, scenario. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to make a show. I, I I would love to do some sort of travel adventure show, or like with cars, you know, like. You know, they do um, the Mongol rally or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, if they put a bunch of different people in cars and filmed that, that would be epic. That would be cool. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to do something like that. I'm not, like, the fountain of knowledge on cars, but I just love driving. So mm. I'm going to try and do a bit more of that kind of thing. I got my uh, rally driving license this year, and one of my goals this year was to drive in a rally, which hasn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. Um, That's cool. But yeah, I've, I've just always, always loved it. The Scotland thing, there's a thing that they do locally called the Demolition Derby where they like put roll bars and take out the glass on the cars and then you just fucking smash into each other no in the fields until you get carried off by the tractor. That's Very absolutely much. nuts. Where the, the drive across Europe, where did you go? 
Mm. See, I always think that would be the best thing ever to get in a car somewhere, say in Northern Europe, I don't know, Holland or Belgium or something, and just every day just be like, what way will we head? And just, just go somewhere. Well, we did it as part of this group and there was like a plan. So we got the, we went across to Calais and then we drove from France into Switzerland, Italy, and then back into France. Um, and like we did St. Bernard's Pass, all that sort That's of thing. So cool. But it was a Ross Bucket Rally, so you had to buy a car for 500 pounds or less. I oh, know. Um, and my dad, I think he cheated. I think he paid 600 pounds, but we won't, we won't give him any trouble. No, I'm, but I'm yeah, we got an old, I'm sticking them in. An old Saab convertible, and it was wicked. It that was, is do you know so what? cool. It was time I've never spent with my dad before like mm. that, and we, it was really, really nice. And yeah, I'd love to do something like that with him again. How does he, like your your family in general, feel about the kind of trajectory you've taken? Because I'm assuming they live what you would define as relatively normal lives. Yeah. I think at the beginning, do you know what? My, my parents, they've always been really supportive. There's been times year, years ago before I got a place in the sun where mum was going, look, just come home and do the horses. <laughs> you know, you're trying. Because so, I would get so frustrated, you it's know, getting nose all the time and trying and trying and trying. You've got to have a thick skin to, yeah. to hear that that many nose and keep my, going. My personal favourite is when a, a company or, or something seeks you out go you're interested in this and you go yeah and eventually they go no so it's like wait a minute you sought me out to knock me back (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking that's a different level of harsh yeah yeah i feel you yeah there was a there was a lot of no's and i think when i got quite down about it sometimes my mum would you know i think she thought she was seeing the right thing and it was because she'd be like just come home the horses are still there and that would just literally be fueling my fire. I'd be like, don't say that, mum. Yeah. i got to keep trying, you know. And so I just kept going. And and they've actually been super supportive. After my accident, I'm self-employed. It couldn't work. Mm-hmm. Things were really tough. Mum and dad helped me out. And I'll, they they're always they always help me out yeah. when I need it. And I'm forever grateful for that. I should have actually asked. Um, one of the things that kind of helped you get, if I'm not mistaken, a place in the sun was the... Uh, sort of business side of what you'd worked with your family. Yeah. What's the story there? That's fat, like from what I know, I'm like, bloody hell. Yeah. So it was basically my great grandfather bought half of this like estate. So like 170 acres and it was all old farmland and they farmed mm. it. Um, but over the years, my grandparents and then my mum and dad, it got developed all the old farm buildings. My dad, my dad's made built a mum and dad built a big business out of it. It was like forty by to let homes, holiday houses. Dad built a golf course. I started wow. the riding school. Um, so what used to be a farm transformed into this like holiday estate. And yeah, they built they built a big business from it. Um and they did an amazing job, but it was hard, you know, like as kids I didn't didn't do things with my parents like normal kids did mm. because they'd be working all the time, like all the time. Um, so we lived for our holidays. That was the time we got to spend together, and everyone would be like, you know, you're so lucky going on these holidays, and we were. But the 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 normal weekends that people would spend with their parents, we never, yeah. we, we didn't have that. It's, it's kind of the same with everything. People don't witness the sacrifice or the the sort of slightly unusual, or you could say abnormal setup. You yeah. can apply it to your work, I suppose. People look at you and see you on different shows, and I've got a few I want to ask you about. And they'll think, oh, she's fucking got it easy, but you, you don't see the yeah. the down days or the pure doubt in yourself or the times where you feel on top of the world only the next day to be brought down to size and being yeah. like, 
why am I fucking doing this? <laughs> like, why am I actually putting myself through this? I sometimes ask myself that. I'm like, why am I doing it? And then you have these wee bursts of things going well or recognition or... You're lucky. Yeah. No, mate, I'm not lucky. No, nah, I'm not lucky. Fucking grafted. <laughs> I know. And, like, you don't see the tough days when you're... Yeah. I have to be talked down for the ledge quite often for the, the couple of few people I've got in my life that I kind of go to. Yeah. It's nah, nothing. nothing's ever as straightforward as it seems, is it? No, never, never. But I'll always be... Because mum and dad were working lots when I was younger, they had me in cleaning toilets from the age of 11. Mm. So, like, actually... That will humble you. <laughs> they, they taught me, worked in the shop as a kid. Like, I, I've always worked, and so th- I got taught to push and work from mm. a very young age, and that's... I think that will always be with me. If I'm if I'm not working, I lose myself a little bit. And like, so at the moment, I've got a couple of different projects going on alongside trying to do the presenting stuff. So mm. that kind of... I think if you've got a few things going on in this business, it helps. Yeah, you need to have a few different irons in the fire, don't you? Yeah. You kind of just rely on the one thing. Yeah. Things can, and they can, it can go as quickly as it comes. Yeah, exactly. And it's even just to keep you busy in the downtime because the reality of this job is yeah. that you do not work every day. Like, there are very few, few people in television that work every single day. And so, yeah, have or, you know, full days. So to give have something else on the go is good. Mm. What are those things on the go? The Mingus at Home thing? Mingus at Home, so we've just launched that, still working on it. It's gonna That's going to evolve and grow over time. Um, that started that started to talk about that in lockdown with my mum because mm. she did all the interiors for the houses right, okay. that they built. Um, my sister, my mum and I are all into interiors, so that's where that came from, and it's been, um, yeah, been ongoing since then. Um, so that that, ex- that partly ex- that explains why your house is so nice. Oh, <laughs> oh but that that sounds if like I'm hiding about your house. I'm absolutely not. But you can just I always look at pictures and I'm like, that looks like a really nice kitchen. Oh, thanks. Nice yeah, I've done that. Actually. Have you? Um, so yeah, so that's on the go, and then a percentage of our profits from that are going to be going towards home kitchen, and that's something I was working on yesterday. So home kitchen. Basically, to give you a uh, summary, I started volunteering at the Soup Kitchen in London about six years ago. This one in Tottenham Court Road? Yeah. And it was around the time my brother was struggling a bit with his mental health and I needed to do something to make me feel like I was helping someone. Well, I found that, sorry to interject, Mm -hmm. but I just want to say I found that really, really fascinating. There was something you said that when you felt helpless, it felt it helped you to feel less helpless as if yeah. I can channel that into something. Yeah, when you can't change a situation and you don't really know what to do with yourself, I, I, I can't sit and think about it and be sad because that just leads, that just, you Spiral. know, you go into a hole. Whereas if you, you transfer that energy into doing something that makes you feel good or like, you know, you're helping, it mm-hmm. just, it's always a good thing. So I volunteered there for about six years and over lockdown this chef who's got a couple of Michelin stars um s- volunteered in the soup kitchen and there's there's basically about five or six of us who've got an attachment to the soup kitchen the yeah. homeless community that have started working on this idea in fact we've raised quite a bit of money and we're about to sign the lease on Hoxton a place in Hoxton Square wow um but essentially it's going to be a restaurant that helps get people who are homeless or vulnerable to being homeless back into work so they we will get say 30 people put them through a three-week course at the city of guilds they'll get a qualification then they'll come and work in the restaurant and they'll train up in a certain area get that experience earn a london living wage you know get a phone and and get back 
get back to living again because a lot of these people when you've worked somewhere like the soup kitchen on and off for six years you see that a lot of them just want that second chance yeah. and some of the stories you know it, you see someone sitting on the street having a drink or whatever and and people's perception of that is really bad that they deserve to be there that guy's been fucked with with his dad's friend since he was seven years old what chance did he have do you know what i mean like there yeah. are things like that when you hear the stories of these people you're like bloody hell no wonder he's there you know completely but some of these people is are just so ready for another opportunity and at the moment there are something like four hundred thousand jobs available in like restaurant and catering industries and 287,000 people on the street so like yeah. it's just approaching things a bit differently and obviously some people might not be ready or they might be using or, or whatever so you, you can't you know go in and help everyone straight away but we're working with different charities to get the right candidates who are you know hungry for that opportunity mm -hmm. and ready to turn their life around and hopefully going to change some lives that's absolutely amazing. I love it. What an impact that will have on people. And it is people just, everybody at some point needs somebody to take a chance on them, take a punt yeah. back me. Um, yeah. I mean, you could, we could talk about this for days and days, but also you saying as well, looking at people who are sitting having a drink, like kindness, they shouldn't be conditional, should it? It shouldn't be, yeah. I'll be nice to you if you fit into my standards of what yes. I define as a good person. Yeah. Um, you know, you shouldn't be taking drugs. Anyway, I'm off to get stuck into two grams of gear. I know. And it's like, there's this whole, yeah, I mean, you can drink, drinking is, is good as long as you do it the way I do it, not the way you do it in the park. And, but yeah, you can, I mean, you could talk about that for days and days. I actually got chatting to a homeless guy in, outside in Notting Hill Gate. And I was like, where are you from? Parkhead. I was like, fuck off. Oh, there's a lot of stuff. I know, I was like, no way. I was like, that is mental. And then chatting to him for ages. Like, we lived, yeah. I lived in Parkhead, we lived in the same street and all that. I was like, this is... But that's that's what nuts. they miss, being spoken to like like a human. Yeah. And so, like, in the soup kitchen, I actually... They, the days where they had plenty of volunteers, I didn't actually need to do any of the serving or cooking. I'd just sit and talk to them. And that's, yeah. you know, you build up a relationship from there and they love that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, people definitely deserve a second shot. So, yesterday, I spent the, the afternoon in Hoxton Square and the building that's that why you cycled 10 miles yesterday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the building that we're taking on we've got to like do a restaurant fit out in, yeah. in 10 weeks so I'm working on that at that's the so exciting yeah and that must bring like a diff a whole different type of fulfillment yeah doing that stuff the soup kitchen stuff like feels better than anything else I've ever achieved yeah. in my life probably brings you back to a point of gratitude as well when you are doing the work that you're doing if there are other sort of tough days you're like well yeah I, I, for me it's just put just not making it about you just make it about someone else no I'll make it all about you that's what's <laughs> important make sure there's cameras there um you you got to do celebrity mastermind so your money went or your the money you raised went to soup kitchen london yeah how's that come about like and did you shit yourself um, yeah, I shat myself a little bit, um, and especially when I saw Dr. Hillary was on with me, I was like, nobody's going to beat that guy, are they? He's was he good? He he was, but he did, his chosen subject was penicillin. <laughs> so, did you know cool. penicillin was discovered by Alexander Fleming round the corner from here? Is there a statue outside? No, but there's a wee plaque. <laughs> see, uh, so it's right next, so see on, it's on Parade Street, see at Paddington Station. And I went for a wee walk, 
and it was like the night before I was doing the breakfast with Eamon <clears throat> and I saw a plaque and it said like Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin in this building so I didn't need to cough hold on <clears throat> excuse me um, and I read it and I was like that's a fucking great wee bit of trivia I'm going to put that up the sleeve I can't wait till somebody mentions penicillin next day Eamon mentions penicillin for some reason and I was like actually did you know <laughs> <laughs> And then I like dropped in and they're like, oh, well, how did you know that? And I was like, just some, just, I've just known it forever, to be honest. Like, <laughs> just we always knew that this is where penicillin was discovered. Smooth. Um, I don't know what I would do. Still game, probably. Amy McDonald's done it, though. I, um, I'd do still game and I'd piss it. I just, I just really want to do more car stuff and I love Rosemary Smith. She studied fashion as well. I went and did textile design. She's Irish. I'm a bit Irish. She's five foot ten. We're even the same height. In Similar fact, lives. get this. She's still alive. Yeah, she's getting on though. Get this. Does she so know that you stood? Sorry to keep interrupting, but does she know that you did well, her as a subject? Shut up, listen. Right, okay. So <laughs> the day after that aired, I got a message in my inbox on Twitter saying, Hi, Danny. Really weird. I've just watched Caught the End of Celebrity Mastermind and I've just been at Rosemary's house. No way. Um, I'm in talks with TV channels too about doing a documentary on her life and making a series about what she did. Sliding doors moment. And I was like, get me fucking on it. Mm. <laughs> I'll play her or I'll do the documentary or whatever. So anyway, we're chatting. Um, and that would be really cool that if I ended cool. up getting a... Because I do think she's brilliant. And she was cool AF. And yeah, I, I fit the bill. Hi. What came, did you know all the stuff or did you go and have to learn it? Um, so I don't know if I'm supposed to tell anyone this. Just, just tell it. Um, so when the, you do Celebrity Mastermind, they send you a thing of where they're going to be taking their questions from. So like no their way. questions come from the autobiography and these articles. So no then you swap Right, so see, I watched Amy McDonald's in Still Game and she was great. She was brilliant, but I beat her. Like, I got them faster, and I didn't know what the questions were going to be. I had no no foresight. Oh, I, that's I got legit. All the, I got all the I answers. Like yeah, yeah, I got all the answers, like, quicker than get she did. Get the boy on. I know, get <laughs> You're going to have to find a new subject, though. Yeah. Well, I would, I would the girl who won Minds was... Her subject was Bluey. Like, she just had a kid. What the fuck's Bluey? This actually... Right, sorry. But I was a bit like, come on. Bluey is a cartoon. She just had a child, so she's been watching the same cartoon for like six months. Uh, I was like, that feels like... So she got a reward for the hell that she had to endure. Because I watched my pals, wee boy, and uh, oh, Coco Melon, that's what we watched, and I was like, fuck this. Pa any parents out there probably listening going, yep, I feel you. Do you know what Coco Melon is? No. Oh, it's this creepy... It's like a wee, I don't know, it's like a baby or a clown. I can't remember, I didn't really watch it, but I had to sit and listen to it. Uh, Brutal. Uh, so no. I feel like her winning Mastermind was some sort of recompense for the hell that she had to go yeah, through with her Yeah, maybe, kid. fair enough, yeah. Um, what was, so you've got MTV Celebrity X on the Beach. What was <laughs> X in the City going to talk me through this? I actually got asked to do X on the Beach yesterday. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do it? No. <laughs> Um, Your ex is that bad? <laughs> I don't know. Do it for the holiday? Nah, 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 nah. Too much. I'm not about the drama, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I like just having fun and a nice time, and I don't know. It's not really my vibe. Ex and Z was. Do you know what? I didn't have breakfast the day I filmed that, and 
they gave me Prosecco. <laughs> so I feel like I was pissed before. Quite irresponsible. They're not rules against um, that now. Well, it was, you know, lunch with a drink. But yeah, that was, that was, it was, it was fine. It was fun. It was, it was something a bit different. And that was the point in time where I was like, I just need to say everything, yes to everything so that people can see me in a different way because mm. I was in that, you know, you're placed in the sun presenter box yeah, and I needed to show that I could do other things. And doing that led me to doing the challenge, um, which was really cool. And the ch- doing the challenge led me to doing UK Strongman. So just saying yes works. Yeah, it does. It's like that. I always talk about this. You've seen that film, Yes Man. Yes Man. Uh, yeah, and it's it's like uh, say, say yes to things because you never know where it'll you where it'll kind of lead you. You never know. And doing Strongman, I effing loved, and I, I didn't realise that you'd done that. Well, it doesn't come out till November. There we go. Um, see, I was lamenting my own research there, but yeah. I couldn't have possibly known. Yeah, so I, it was like uh, I can't remember how many days filming. Two or three. It's five episodes, um, and it was really good fun. I had. Um, Jamie Reeves, who's like one of the old strongmans, right. and Fatatas Lalas, the you know the wee one, the, <laughs> the wee one. He'll be so mad at me if I say that. He's, it's because he's shorter than me. The he's fucking one. massive. <laughs> <laughs> he's small but guy. Just Probably one of the strongest guys on the planet. And you're yeah, infantilizing him. Literally, but it was so much fun. So it was literally me in between these two massive strongmen, just chatting about it watching it i love competition so i was yeah. buzzing watching it we had five scots in it um and yeah it was just it was wicked watching it up close were and those, strong women were those two brothers in it the scottish no. brothers no they weren't this year i thought i saw one of them walking down near kelvin grove park the other week it's just a pure massive guy they're they're so massive <laughs> yeah are they from up your way where are they from are they from like way I'm up north i'm not sure um, I wanted to ask you about radio as well. You did Radio X. Did you cover breakfast? I did that ages ago, like years ago. I did it probably, I don't know, I'd been doing Place of Sun for a couple of years. That came up. I'd been in at Global a few times. And then, well, one, I was rubbish because I was so nervous. I really wanted to be good at it. Mm. And you know when you really want something, yeah. you're always shit at it. That's yeah. that's my life. When I don't care, I always get it. Um, you need to just coach yourself into going, like, I don't give a fuck about this. Yeah, I need to give less of a fuck. I think I'm there, actually, to be fair. Um, but yeah, so I did did that a few times. They were like, we like the sound of your voice. Let's do some more training. But I was away filming so much, there just wasn't time for it. And radio does not pay as well as telly. So. What does radio training even entail? <laughs> Sitting in a box playing with all the controllers. Because do you know what? Like, I can talk. Oh, yeah, but it's difficult. Talking and Flicking switches, that's yeah, a big ass. I've got some switches in front of me and it's like my brain won't allow me to multitask. So I went in and did, um, like, I went into Heart Scotland recently and did, like, a trial with, basically, the the breakfast toast, the female was going on holiday. I can't remember her name. Amy Irons. Um, Jennifer Reok. Yes. That's who it is. She's, Amy, she's, Amy does it mid-morning. Yeah, so she's going away on holiday and getting married and stuff like that. So they needed someone that could come in regularly and sit in with Daz and I went in and it was great because he was doing all the buttons yeah. and I could just have a bit of crack with them. Easy. I did one one of those with Capital. Oh yeah. I mean, well, but again, just on the premise of if everybody's on holiday <laughs> and we're absolutely <laughs> desperate, then you can come in. But I loved it. I thought it was great fun as well. Yeah. Dude. And somebody else did, it was a guy, Ryan, He, the producer, he did all the buttons and I got to just be like, that was fucking Miley Cyrus with We flowers. should make a demo. We could yeah, do it. Yeah, we should. Des, we're coming, for, we're coming for your show, babe. <laughs> well, you know, again, they might be really scraping the barrel if you're desperate. 
<laughs> weed available <laughs> so once i did that i went they were like go in and just we'll hit record and have a play and make one on your own yeah. as well <laughs> i couldn't Dude. i just couldn't do it i think my last clip is me going sorry guys i tried <laughs> <laughs> i found it quite good though i got to just because what with mine it was just like come off the back of your song fucking talk shit say some funny stuff I have got one or two one-liners up my sleeve and then introduce Niall Horan with another tune. Oh, this is quite fun. I like this. I definitely like doing the, the like, co-hosting a show. Yeah. Like, I like, I like, I just like people. I don't like myself. <laughs> I sat in, one of the first things I ever did, in fact, I was talking to him just before you came, my pals with Gordon Smart, and oh, yeah. Gordon was doing Radio X at the time, and he had Matt Morgan. I think Gordon must have been covering for Johnny Vaughan. I and like Gordon. I met him at a Burns night in January. Was um, what one was that again? Was it one he was hosting? Doddy's, no Doddy's. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I also met another nice man that night. Oh, did you? Yeah, you can you can share anything on that, no? Uh, well, uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> no, no, never mind. Move on. Oh, I, we'll come back to that in another <laughs> six months when we revisit it. When we're covering for Des and... I'm going on holiday with him in two weeks. Oh, are you? Where are you going? Yeah. We've been on, only been on like five days. Oh. Mykonos. Nice. Yeah. Decent. Who's love bombing who here? That's... that's uh, yeah. But if it, if it feels right. I'm not saying anything yeah, else. Yeah, you know, <laughs> your beamer's saying it all. I wish I could just catching this. <laughs> um... Yeah, so you, will you be covering Heart? So when can people hear you on Heart? Uh, first week of September, I'll be in on Heart with Des on The Breakfast Show. Um, and then, I actually can't remember the other dates, but there's quite a few weeks in. Yeah, because you... Between now and February. When you said to me the other day, you were like, starting soon, February, I'm doing holiday covers. Like, what kind of fucking holidays does this at last until next year? <laughs> I think it's like a week in September, a week in November, and then a couple of weeks in February, maybe mm. a week in December. I can't remember. Will you be staying in Glasgow then? Yeah, so I don't really know what I'm going to do, because it's only six in the morning until ten. I've got my family up the road, but it's no point driving up every day, so I need to, I don't know, I guess I'll meet some production companies or Mm. do whatever, try and find something else to do. People know when they can get in touch with you then. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in Scotland more though. Do you like being being back up? Yeah, I love going up the road. I'm currently in In the the summer. I'm currently in the sort of headspace of preferring not to be there. Because being in London, like having more time in London is like, wow, this is exciting. Yeah, but you're new. I've been doing. I've been in London for twelve years. Yeah. I just want a man and a country house. Hmm. I'll take your flat off your hands then. Once, well, you, once you get I your do country have a spare room. Sorted. You are welcome to it. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> London prices. Um, I'm conscious. I keep your time. What are you up to the rest of the day? Um, I'm actually going back to my house, get my shit together, and then I'm going to a wedding. Metaphorically, get your shit together, or literally get your shit literally together. Literally get my shit together. <laughs> Where's the wedding? Um, it's in Hampshire. How lovely. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm meeting my sister at Basingstoke train station. I mean, I think that's Hampshire. I'm not sure, but yeah, meeting my sister at Basingstoke. Got a night in a nice hotel tonight, but lovely. I've got lots of work to do, so I'm gonna be doing that with her, and then what yeah, day is it? Wedding tomorrow. It's Thursday. Yeah, wedding on a Friday, mm. and then I'm off to Stockholm next week, which is quite exciting. Oh, that's cool with some friends and then Mykonos the week after a great couple of what weeks ahead for great you great few weeks I know and then hopefully I'll be very busy again after that <laughs> love it well yeah. good luck thank you thanks very much for coming yeah no worries especially it's, it's, it's an early morning in Paddington oh Paddington works that's where we are if anybody and this is I'm being genuine here Rose that runs Paddington works um, is the best ever 
but the setup for the podcast is absolutely brilliant. So people often ask me, where can I record a podcast in London? This bit of Paddington, this is where you want to come. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. This it's is really actually nice. a different room. It's, it's usually up the stairs, but we're in the auditorium just now. But mm-hmm. we've got the couches, we've got the table, mixing desk. It's all perfect. Yeah, it's cool. It is cool. I need to. I really need to come up with good podcast ideas. At me with some podcast ideas. I yeah. want to do one. If you think of any, I'll do it with you. All right. I love. I love just talking shit. <laughs> me too. I'm quite good at it. Well, I think I hope I am. I'm <laughs> mediocre at it. No, this has been great. So thank you again. No probs. And thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Blethered. Cheers.